This is session four on Colossians 2, 13 to 15. Last time I said that I would take a little bit of a detour. It's not exactly a detour, but uh, digging beneath this text to ask, how is it just for Christ, the Son of God, to take our place and die instead of our dying? Since we don't allow that, Let me read the text again to show you how it poses the question and show that it isn't just we who don't allow it. The Bible doesn't allow it, at least not at the human level. And you you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Now, how did he provide for that forgiveness? He wiped out the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. How did he do that? He took it out of the midst. How did he take it out of the midst? By nailing it to the cross. Let's just stop right there. So the way our trespasses were justly overlooked by God and taken totally out of the midst of the universe as far as the east is from the west, they are not counted against us, is that they were punished. That's what a debt is. This is a debt of punishment for trespasses. They were punished by nailing them to the cross. Well, whose hand got nailed? Not mine. It should have been mine. But it was Christ's. Christ got nailed to a cross as an innocent man for me, instead of me, in place of me, substitution. Now, let's just make clear, that's a biblical teaching beginning to end. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. You can't miss it. That is substitution. An innocent person dies for a guilty person. Now, I said we don't allow that in our jurisprudence. Neither did the Bible. Deuteronomy 24 Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. So this is a problem not because in the modern world we don't allow substitutions, like a father saying to a son who's just shot someone and is sentenced to life imprisonment, and the father is 60 years old, and the son's 30 years old, and he says, let me take his place. Let me take his place. We don't allow it. So my question is, how is it just for Jesus to be punished when I ought to be punished, and he's the most innocent man that ever lived? And I'm going to point in one direction. There's more than one way to solve this problem, and I'm just going to point in one way. I'm going to point to Two differences between me, the criminal, and my father who wants to take my place. 
and what happened with Jesus. And the first difference is that Christ died explicitly, precisely, honestly, with integrity for the righteousness of the Father or of God. He died for the glory of God. A father who puts himself forward to go to prison for his son wants to give his son freedom. He loves his son. He has compassion on his son. He's not trying to vindicate the glory of the state against whom the crime was committed. The crime is a detraction from the law of the state and the body politic. And this father doesn't care about that. He just wants his son off the hook. So here's the way the death of Christ is described in relation to the righteousness of God. God put Christ forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So notice, God put Christ forward to be the one who satisfies his righteous judgment. That's what propitiation is. Removes God's wrath by satisfying his righteousness. This was to show God's righteousness. So God is undertaking to vindicate his righteousness. Why did he need to vindicate his righteousness? Why did his righteousness look like he was unrighteous? Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Every time God passes over sins, that is, forgives them, doesn't count them, it looks like he's belittling the worth of his own glory because sin is a falling short of his glory. It looks like he's compromising his righteousness, which upholds his infinite worth. Every sin is a detraction from the worth of God, the glory of God, the righteousness of God. It makes God look like a patsy, like he doesn't count. And if God says, I forgive you, then it looks like he's joining in with the unrighteous judgment against his own character. He can't let that stand. So he puts Christ forward, and because of passing over former sins, he's going to now show his righteousness. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be both just or righteous and the one who declares righteous, the one who merely has faith in Jesus. So this is Paul's way of describing how can Jesus justly take the place of a sinner? And the answer is Jesus is motivated not like the mother or the father who tries to take the place of the wayward son because of compassion for the son, but rather this is for the glory of God, for the righteousness of God, to vindicate the worth of God. You see it again here in John. 12. Now, Jesus says, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, the hour of my death. But for this purpose, this purpose, what? I have come to this hour. What purpose? Father, 
glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it. Again, in other words, the motive, the deepest, highest motive for dying on the cross is to glorify, vindicate, magnify the worth of the name of God. That puts Jesus' death in our place in a completely unique situation of magnifying the glory of God unlike any relative who steps forward saying, I want my son to be delivered from a life imprisonment. They're they're not doing that, say, for the glory of the state or the glory of God. Here's the second difference between a father or mother who wants to step in and take the place of a son or a daughter and Jesus who took the place of sinners. The second difference is when Jesus substitutes himself for sinners, he does it in order to change sinners. He doesn't release them from the prison of hell in order to wreak hell on the earth. He guarantees that by his blood, they will be new. That's totally different from any father or mother who cannot guarantee that the son who goes free will not do more crime. So here it is, 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Why? What purpose? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That's the purpose of the cross, and it's totally unique. No other substitution achieves that, not infallibly anyway. Some son might be changed, but he might not be. This is secure. We know it because of Romans 6, 4 and other places. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In other words, when he died, the way God constituted our faith union with him, we died. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's the reason Christ died for us and we died with him. So, when I come back now to our text and pause here over the fact that my debt, my record of debt, was nailed through the hand of Jesus and not through my own hand, how can that be just when we don't allow that in our jurisprudence and the biblical law didn't allow it either? It's because Christ is radically unique in his substitution in two ways. One, he does it entirely for the glory of God, the vindication of God's worth, the establishment of God's righteousness, so that it doesn't look like in passing over sins, God is belittling his own infinite worth or in any way demeaning his own beautiful glory. That's number one, the motive and achievement toward God. And the other is, we are changed infallibly. All the called, all the justified, the forgiven are changed. The death of Christ guarantees the sanctification of his people. They will not, those who are born of God, 
John says, do not go on in sin. They fight sin. They hate sin. And therefore, for these two reasons, it is not unjust of God to send his son to have nails driven through his hand instead of my hand in canceling my debt.